You in there. You, Doctor. Open the box. I don't think that would be very wise. Open it. Are you mad? We don't know what's in it. Open it and find out. It could be very dangerous. Open it! Or I'll have you shot! Don't! It could kill us! Unfortunately, so could him. too stupid to get the truth. I get it. I'm so on board with this. Which is better? I like. I like this I one. I to be a Sikh. <laughs> That's my favourite time slip episode is Time of the Hot Shit. But, um... <laughs> Hello and welcome. To World Enough and Time. I'm Alex. And I'm Andy. Hello, Andy. How are you? <laughs> Hello, Alex. We sound like play school presenters today. <laughs> well, we can carry on. What's in the round window? Good. I like that. I think we can do a bit more of that. Let's How go, are you? Let's go and see what Jemima and Big Ted are doing. <laughs> they have it over here as well, but it's a bit wrong. They've got uh, Big Ted and Little Ted, but they've not got the right other animals. It all went a bit wrong after that. The other, anyway. the other animals? What? I don't remember animals. Oh, there was Humpty. Is Humpty an animal? <laughs> yes. Eggs are animals too. Egg, eggs are animals too. <laughs> <laughs> this has started off in a weird place. <laughs> Do they have evil Hamble? No, mm. Hamble's nowhere near it. No, <laughs> she's it's, nowhere it's near real. it. You make it sound like she, you make it sound like she's insecure in some sort yeah. of secure prison or something. She, she tried to get into one episode and it all went horribly wrong. Yeah, yeah. She started murdering, murdering them all with her big hands. <laughs> yeah. yeah, never again. No, it's always good to keep Hamble out of every TV program. I think that's quite an important um, decision. Right, how have you been? <laughs> I've been good, yes. Very good. How are good. you? Very well. I now have done work. I did work, I did. I have worked for a whole two weeks now. Gosh. Which seems insane. It does. Um, but yeah, I know. And I've, like, I've been a proper grown-up. And I have managed to get to work on time and I've done all that kind of thing. And I've been fine. And I got paid, which is the best part oh, of it. God, it really so, is. Yeah, no. Tick. But generally. getting back to that normality is really odd, it must be. It is. But it makes me realise how insane I was <laughs> in the old job. Because now this is like 
um i'm like proper like clock in clock out kind of a person like i i get there early but by three o'clock in the afternoon i've done my eight hours and i'm gone and like hey. there's the, honestly if i'm there at like five past three i'm furious it's, yeah, <laughs> I, I really i don't give them any more of my soul than i'm paid for so yeah it's quite a different me now it's good that is good that sounds much more healthy excellent yes. hurrah and even huzzah yes good so um, one of the things I've been doing is unearthing old tapes in the loft <laughs> because, because I knew that there was a recording of Kinder from the early 80s, obviously early 80s, in which you could hear us talking on the track, um, uh, which would have infuriated me at the time because the point was to record the episodes in complete silence. Yes, I remember silence was quite essential. <laughs> and yeah, there, there, there was being berated afterwards, but I understand why, yes. But now, of course, you, okay, I'm sitting there with the tape saying, please say something, someone say something to someone else mm. so I can hear your voices. And luckily, this is this has turned out to be the case. They have got some clips of um, us... Um, which um, I will play into the um, into the episode a bit later on, so that's something to look forward to, okay. is it not? Yes. <laughs> Do let me know when you're playing them in, because I would like to talk about them, because it's oh, it's it was so funny to hear some of those back. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, very excited. Good. Um, but before we get there, we have to talk about what you've been watching on TV. Oh, oh, well. Contrary to what I usually say, which is any old crap on Netflix, which I have been doing as well. Like that's always that's always my stalwart. I, lots of crap. Watch Lock and Key, very standard dull stuff, but it's all right. Oh, we've got back into Veronica Mars. Don't right. know if that's allowed. Really enjoyed it. Okay. Um, but my biggest thing at the moment that I'm completely obsessed with is the Parapod podcast, not on TV. Oh, really. that's okay. But, it's like a oh podcast, my yes. goodness. Yeah. It is making me so happy. Like, I'm getting to the point where I'm really sad that I think I've probably only got about 40 more minutes of listening to their voices and then there is no more. It's Why it's did they stop? So... Did they stop or you caught up? I've, um, they've stopped. Ah. Yeah, they only did three discrete series um, and a few specials. I think they said they'll keep dipping back in and doing a special every now and again. But, um, yeah, I think they've kind of exhausted that area and they feel like there's nothing more they can do but they are doing um a parapod movie which i will try and see at some point um yeah it's it's so lovely is it so oh, i must lovely listen to because, it i haven't yet oh the um there's one dude who's barry who is um he believes everything you tell him whether it be ghosts or you know look behind the sofa you'll find something kind of thing he just is so gullible he's just brilliantly stupid but adorable um and then there's um ian who he kind of you can tell they have a real love for each other they're very sweet to each other but ian is just kind of absolutely just shocked how incredibly stupid barry can be and taken in by any kind of hoax um and so it's it, they tend not to go in any depth in any of the things they look at but it's all just a lesson in Please don't believe everything you read. Kind of right. thing. We said, "Oh, I saw it. It was, it was on, it was on, it was on the internet. It's definitely true." That guy said that. 
<laughs> and it's brilliant. And because uh, Barry's also, he's from Northumberland, like oh, okay. talks about Allenmouth and Chillingham and Beamish and stuff like that. And it's so the the things they talk about do just kind of bring back kind of that kind of joyful memories. And I love the accent anyway. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, it's it's such a source of joy for me now. Like I say, I've been going to work and being a proper worker, but I've been going to work being a proper worker while also just snorting really terribly while I really should be doing some work because I'm laughing so loudly at the stuff that they're saying. Uh, there, there was an episode where where Barry's talking about going on a date and how he, he went out with someone who was a bit too perfect and um, he, he, he just wished she had a, a dodgy leg or something. He says, I prefer it when someone's, you know, just got like a wonky tit or something because then I feel less inferior. And it's just, it's just so adorable. And the mention of a wonky tit just had me. I wasn't coping. <laughs> Honestly, so much fun. It's, yeah, it is, it is my absolute happy place. But it also, it does, the dynamics between them of, um, Barry being the the dumbass one who just says stupid things all the time, and then Ian being the one who keeps it on track. It just it does have little thoughts of of, of how we act together. It's just like all the time me pretending to be a Doctor Who fan. Well, I kind of am, but like I have no fucking idea what's going on, and what's <laughs> canon and what's not. And they're like, well, actually, this is what's actually happened here. I'm like, oh, that's good to know. <laughs> so yeah, I do. I feel like I play Barry to your Ian quite well. Ah, that's, that's a nice illusion. I shall have to listen. So it's called the Parapod. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Good. Really good. Excellent. Um, so there, you got more than you bargained for then. Oh, yeah. woman did. Um, so I've been watching the latest series of Endeavour on television, um, mm-hmm. which, yes, I think this year, I've, I've always really liked it because I never really liked Big Morse, Big Adult Morse. And this isn't like not big adult. Morse. Big Morse. <laughs> big Morse big, and Little big Morse. Big Morse and Little Morse. Yeah, that's what they call it. That's, that's what I, in my brain, it's Little Morse because he's younger. <laughs> yes. um, but he's really, I really like him as an actor. He's fantastic. And now he's like producing it and directing it and stuff because he's so good. But um, this series, it was really difficult because they kind of had a running thread, but it wasn't obvious from the start that there was a running thread of this towpath killer. So after the first episode, we were like, right. well, they haven't solved this one. Are they just going to leave it? Because we didn't understand it. And we got all indignant. And then we realised, oh, actually, it was going into the second episode. Um, right. But also, okay. there was a horrible death which upset us, which was like, no, that's not nice. We didn't like that. So there's a horrible death we had to deal with as well. And also, no. um, the episode titles were really over-the-top stupid. Um, the last top one, which we still don't know why it was called that, was called Zanana, to rhyme with banana. And it was just, it's just getting stupid now. They just have a stupid esoteric episode titles just for the hell of it. And they just feel like they're just being a bit too pleased with themselves. I know what a zanana is. I think it's an area of a house for women in Hindu culture or something. But it had nothing to do with the the plot, really. It was about women's college, uh, partly. But it still was a massive stretch. And I just, (laughs) it was like... Oh, when you said Zanana to rhyme with banana, I felt like that had been explained. <laughs> no, not at it was all. to rhyme with banana. I was no. like, well, that is really odd. <laughs> but, right, good. And then some bits are like really overplayed. Sometimes I just think I want to be a director on TV because I would do it so much better than other people. And at the end, there was oh this... God, sh- this could be your next thing. No, I believe you. Well, there was this shootout in Italy and... They kind of overlaid it, kept showing scenes of this operatic, um, this opera where someone got killed and then the curtain came down. So they just kept cutting this with the end of the story where this person got shot 
and then the curtain came down and it was just it was too bloody heavy and like yeah we get the illusion calm down it was just really embarrassing I felt so some bits were kind of really you know oh that was a bit eccentric and weird and some bits were like no that's just clumsy we see what you did there you shouldn't be able to see the director having his touch on it you know what I mean anyway right it just was too yeah obvious exactly anyway so I haven't really been watching I haven't really enjoyed watching Endeavour (laughs) okay it started out so positive. I was yeah. thinking this is going to be good. I like a murder, but no. Big more. Or have you big seen? Morse, and morse. I haven't seen. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen the new Death in Paradise? Because I haven't. Had, I've never watched. I've never it. watched it. Never watched it. Oh, so. well, you've let yourself down. Uh-huh. I think I've let it's, myself it's down. I've let that, the class down. Yes. I've let my family that's down. That's why I need to go, go to Guadalupe because, like, that's oh, it's so gorgeous. I'm intrigued by I the love, little the a. I'm, I love. I'm intrigued by the little a you put on the end of there, Guadalupe. Didn't know that. Is it not? I've well, always called it Guadalupe. Guadalupe. Well, it's it's French. Oh. It ends in an e. You know, let's give it. Let's give it. Well, you've square. watched Death in Paradise. Um, so you're probably right. I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! They they call it San Marie or something, uh... it's, but it's filmed in Guadeloupe. A. <laughs> A. Anyway, <I'll>... <laughs> anyway, you talk. I'll listen. <laughs> Good. <laughs> so unusual. Um, I, there was something I wanted to say. It was really important. It made me excited. It's gone now. My head doesn't work still. Um, no, I can't use that excuse. No, there was a thing. It made me happy. Death in Paradise. Oh yeah, that was a thing. <laughs> it's not a good thing. <laughs> but brilliant thing about death in paradise is like there'll be like a little teaser the first like two minutes you know generally where the murder happens um and then it cuts to the music but the thing is like there'll be this horrific murder someone will be like you know they'll have their head chopped off near a swimming pool and then it'll go and so me and the girls are just singing along like yay somebody's dead now somebody's dead it's just the joy in the murder song is just so good it's like Iona singing there Iona is joining in the joy of death song yeah there is a lot of joy in those deaths there we go gosh good to know I know yes so I believe it is time for a quiz good as you know I'm always on the ball organised I've had time I've been at at work but I've I've had time but I thought this time I, I just I'd just give you a chance to shine, you know, like you, you, you're, you will come up with really good questions. I'm not going to try and steal your limelight. So if, if you'd like to take over just this once, that, that's, that would be, you know, that's fine with me. Excellent. I'm so pleased. <laughs> so pleased. Yeah. <laughs> um, look, luckily, I have a quiz up my, <laughs> I was going to say up my arse. <laughs> <laughs> Up me jumper. What? Up me jumper. Let's say that. <laughs> now then, this one is going to challenge you quite strongly. So, I have a list. We should just say quiz, quiz, quiz first. Quiz, 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 quiz. 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 Okay, good. So, <laughs> this is um, an interesting quiz. <laughs> you have to tell me the first names of 10 members of the production team of Kinder, which is our story de jour. Oh, 
So, yeah. <laughs> now, they're all the sort of names that people working at the BBC at that sort of time would have probably had in the 80s. Yes. So I know all the 80s names. So you just have to this tell me fine. 10 boys or girls' names <laughs> that you hope were working on kinder in 1981 Brilliant. so i just need I 10 boys and girls names nailed okay nailed. so just you just gonna come up with first names that work right david yes number one yes there was a david david Hare was the technical manager one point well i know david well right um okay adrian adrian <laughs> looks through the list <laughs> No, and there wasn't Adrian in the cast playing Aris, but he doesn't count in this context because that's production team. Oh, maybe that's what I thought of. Maybe it was because I was aware. Maybe that was the naughtiness in my head. Um, uh-huh. Okay. Um, okay, what was all of my classmates called? <laughs> okay, Gary. Gary. <laughs> oh, no, no, Gary, that's two strikes. You've got one point. Shit. Okay, okay. there's got to be a Richard. Richard. No, Richard. Uh-huh. There was a Richard who this... played a member of the Kinder, but really, yes. yeah. Okay, right. Um, okay, women. I've stayed away from women. Julie. There's got to be a Julie. <laughs> oh no, there's no Julies. Jeez, <gasps> oh, that's five. Please, that's please, five please. gone. You've got one in David. Come on. Boys' names. I was up to such a. I'll go back to the boys. There's not many women. Okay, I'm good. Because it is the 80s. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, Okay, I can do this. Um, James. James, yes. There's a vision mixer called James. James Gould. Two points. (laughs) Good. Good. Alan. Oh, there must be. Gobby. Yes, on sound, Alan Machen. <laughs> Three points. <laughs> oh, right. Um, Terence always seems to be quite strong in Doctor Who. No, world. not this time. Not this time, Terry. I'm afraid. Bastards. Oh, was that a Terry as well you were going for? Well, Terence or Terry, I thought you might give me Dominion. No. no, sorry. Okay. That's five Good. no's and three yeses. You've got two more chances. To level up to... F- um, okay, I've got to make this count. It's the important stuff, this. Uh, Adam. Adam. I think you've gone a bit wild with some of these choices. <laughs> really? <laughs> really? <laughs> yes, I do. I thought there's these were no Adam. straight down the line. No, Adam. Really? Yeah. I think there's some okay. easier ones uh, that you're missing. But maybe that's because I'm looking at the list. Yeah. <laughs> Mark. Mark. Ooh. 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 <laughs> There's no Mark. Nah. Gosh. Bloody hell. Right, tell me who I missed. Tell me who was obvious. Right, so that was eight, no, no seven no's and, yeah, three wins. Well, there was a Christopher. There was a Peter. Oh, yeah, P- classic. Peter. Oh, there was a Dave as yeah, well as a David. <laughs> oh, you should, I should have had two for that. I got two hits. There was a Steve. There was a Mike. There was an Eric. A Sid. A Malcolm. You didn't even say John. 
There was a John as well. Oh, I was very close with Matt, with John. I was because I said James. I was thinking John uh, too. Oh. The, the women. There was really? there was an Anne, an Angela, a Rosemary, a Sue, a Val. Oh, I nearly said Sue. I was so oh, close to Sue. That's quite annoying. Carol. There was a Carol. A Carol. A Barbara. Bastards. And a Suzanne. So gosh. But as I was looking at this list, oh, I saw the names of the of the some of the Kinder tribes people, and they're amazing names. These extras. Sorry, you're going to say something. I just want to know if you'd have given me two points if I'd have said Susan. Would I got Suzanne and Sue, or would I got neither? I would have given. I, I would have given you. I would have given you one point. <laughs> That's so selfish. Yeah. Cannot believe it. Anyway, right, carry listen on. to this name. One of the kinder particularly is amazing. Tabina Marn Brown. Oh, it's great. Tabina Marn Brown. Spell me Tabina. T O B I N A. Oh, as in the female Toby. form of Toby. Which is funny. Nasty. Because we've got a we've got a dog called Toby who's female and I often call her Tabina and I thought just thought I was being silly, but apparently it's a thing. No, there is one. Oh, that's hilarious. Tabina Marn Brown. Good. Gosh. Yeah. Marn as in... M-A-H-O-N. Oh, of course. Yeah. Oh, good. Good work. Yeah. Has she done a lot in her life since? So much. So much. Oh, and you know the the thing about the kinder children, that one of them is Johnny Lee Miller. Did you know that? No, I didn't know this. (laughs) Brilliant. Anyway, we're, we're getting ahead of ourselves. We should not be heading towards kinder at this point. Bad. Wrong. No, we really shouldn't. Because, hark, what do we hear? <gasps> oh, I feel like there's some strong relationship between what you're about to say and the new season of Doctor Who. Oh, my God. What is it this week, Kaliak? She stopped flapping. She looks quite... Hurt with excitement. So, unfurling the scroll. Oh, you barely talked to her. Hello. <laughs> I'm sorry. How Not, has it been? I'm never trying to get through this You're bit just... quickly. <laughs> <laughs> Ever. You don't just fulfil a job. We miss you and we love you. Yes. How is she? I'm stroking, just give her, a stroke I'm stroking her now under the chin. Ow! She just bit good. me. <laughs> oh, good. Well, that'll teach you. I do care, Kaliak. It's just sometimes, sometimes I regret your existence. So. (laughs) The scroll reads thusly. The doctor was the timeless child. (gasps) (gasps) Yeah, we know. We know. So how many months later we've been (laughs) Two months later. No, it'll be a lot more than I think it might be more than that. By then. No, it might be two months. Three months, maybe. Yeah, thanks, Galliac. Thanks with an X. But interesting and exciting for us right now, at the time of At the time uh, of recording. At the time of this being made, you mean? <laughs> yes, that time. Um but it is exciting, isn't it? It is exciting. We haven't talked about this offline, so should we just talk about our we excitement haven't. in a sort of pretend that no, no pretense way of just being excited about it. Go, go, you talk. <laughs> I haven't been excited or shocked by a Doctor Who revelation for a long time. I know. They're generally quite foreseeable and involve a Dalek. 
Um, and so I've really enjoyed that it, that wasn't the case. I loved and it. And I liked the vulnerability that it gave us. Oh. And yeah, it was it was lovely. And the master and Jodie together, they're just really strong, aren't they? Yeah. Love them. I just felt so assured this series. Not all of it. I hated the first two episodes. We'll talk about that in our Jodie special. But the rest of it... Oh, God, will we? Okay. Yes. But um, I loved the last three episodes. I was like, this is properly on proper territory again. Now I love this. And I'm excited. Yeah. So, hooray. Yeah, no, I agree. It's been fab. Yeah. Much better than the previous series. Oh, yeah. Yes. Which I was trying to like more than I liked. But this series, I was like, no, this is hitting some notes here. Yes. Hurrah. Good. So, in our Jodie special, which I think we'll probably record when I'm with you in... No, in NZ. NZ. Yes. Yes. Good. Good. Are we going to do recording in Raro for our special trip? Yes, talk about the special trip. Well, it's not much more than we're going on holiday. <laughs> I know, but we, you need to sell it a bit more. The Cook Islands, middle of the South Pacific, okay. gorgeous waters, crystal yes, waters and sand see. and lots so, of alcohol. Yes. To say thank you for all the niceness that I get from you, then I am finally able to do something nice for you. So I'm going to take you to Raro, to a posh place where we can do podcasty things and talk about Doctor Who for like a full five days. It'll be amazing. It's going to be so exciting. I can't wait. It almost makes me a bit tearful. Genuinely, it's exciting. Yeah. Yes. It is. It is good. Thank you. So yes, Thank that's you. the thing. That's the thing. Okay. Kaliak's mm. quite bored. She started pecking at me and the desk. <laughs> she had to listen to all of that. This is the longest she may have stuck around actually. <laughs> Go away now. Yeah, no, she gets she's off. Have you given her any food yet? Because you keep really letting her down. She's had a bit of a Twix. <laughs> Good. Good. Not, a, ho not a whole, not a whole stick, obviously, because that would be greedy. Right. Yeah, she's pecked at a stick. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, you might, she might get ill if you give her a whole one. So well done. Yeah. Bye, Kaliak. Bye. She's gone. So... We are ready. Good. We are ready for are we? the story du jour. It's time. What's that? What's that? It's the time to go back to It's quite good. I think we should start here by playing in. This is this is a clip, an audio clip from six thirty-five p.m. on the twenty-fourth of August, nineteen eighty-three. A repeat of Kinder, which me and you were listening to, were watching rather, in the front room at Eglinton Vicarage, and you are four years old, <laughs> and you are listening to the Doctor Who theme, and you can't help but sing along to it. This is Alex at four, listening to the Doctor Who theme as Kinder starts. Ten on one, part three of Kinder, starring Peter Davison as Doctor Who. There we go. 
I'm really cute. You are really cute. Oh, thank God. Diddle-diddle. <laughs> couldn't I, I knew that was a punishable offence. Like, I knew that was not okay. But I still, I couldn't hold it in. My <laughs> were just, like, they were they were oozing out of me. I couldn't, I couldn't not do it. Yeah. 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 Special. Oh, it's just so amazing. I would have probably been giving you evils from across the room, wouldn't I? I would have yeah. been like, God, you better not do that during the actual episode. But you all, <laughs> but you always pushed it, didn't you? I mean, you you always yeah. did. That was you as a kid. You like anything you could push just a little bit further, you did. <laughs> anything for a reaction, I would generally go. But and I always knew that I would be able to ride it with the oh, but she's so cute. Yeah, but also <laughs> so I was such an annoying bossy kid that you know I would have bloody done it as well. I was like, you do this, I'll do that. You do this. So you kind of seen yeah. like. God, I'm going to upset his parade. <laughs> I don't blame you at all. <laughs> you did have very defined requirements. Bloody um, hell, yes. Yeah. And I'm only saying this so strongly now, having listened to me on tape from the time, having unearthed these tapes, and I'm like, oh my God, who was this horrendous child? <laughs> <laughs> was it quite eye-opening? I think it just reminded me of who I was and how... There was a real confidence in who I was at home. There wasn't that at school at all. But at home, I think yeah. I, because I didn't rule the roost at all at school, I kind of felt I ruled the roost at home a bit in terms of what was going to happen and who did what. It was really interesting that, that I was like, in terms wow. of the play, in terms of what we were going to do, I was very much in control yeah. of that. And, um, yeah. and honestly though, and my voice was so high pitched, I couldn't believe that. But um, also how Geordie we sound as well. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. Well, not Geordie, Northumbrian, I guess. But we had Northumbrian. Yes. We had come from Very Newcastle, though. We had come from Newcastle, so it was built there. But for you, you'd be more straight yeah. Northumbrian, I think. Yeah, I think so. Mm. But yeah, I ju- I think it's brilliant. I'm just glad that we had that part of our childhood, and it's yeah, it was it was a brilliant place to grow up. It really was. Yeah. So yeah, it's nice to have some traces of it. Indeed. So, listening to Kinder, watching Kinder. Um, the first time we watched it was in 1982 when it was first on in Rose Cottage. So we'd just been exiled to North Northumberland because Dad had had an affair and was thrown out of the church. <gasps> Stop press. <laughs> and, and we were living in this tiny... Have you got over that yet? <laughs> Has he got over it? No, you just sound really furious. Oh, no, 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 not at all. a wee while ago. <laughs> no, I'm not at all furious about it at all. Yeah, um, I, I, my fury just relates to how he's an awful person. But... <laughs> no, he is an awful, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. He's oh no, crazy. I don't care about the affair yes. at all. Um, but we were living in a tiny cottage while they built the vicarage for us, which makes us sound terribly grand. They had to build the vicarage for us. I know. <laughs> Five bedroom, brand new vicarage. It was nice. That. It was. We're good. Yeah, we're good. Yeah. Um, but we were living yeah. in this tiny little cottage. What's your memories of that cottage? Because it's quite funny, isn't it? <laughs> well I was young as we've explained so I just I have a very kind of ethereal kind of dreamy memory of just waking up one day um, and having to put my welly boots on straight away because the whole house was flooded and it was yeah I just remember looking down like inside um, wearing my bright yellow welly boots and just seeing like just that it, it, I actually was worried if it might go over the edges kind of thing. There was a lot of water in there. So, yeah, it just 
It just, it seems like a magical place that was always underwater for my eyes. Like, I don't remember another time because <laughs> that was the most fun that we ever had there was that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's one of my memories as well, just waking up and just the water being up next to the bed. It wasn't like a small flood. It was like properly high flood. Oh, it was ridiculous. really was. I was it like, was oh amazing. my God. I remember, just... think, I remember thinking, I don't have to go to school. I don't have to go to school. <laughs> but I think <laughs> we did. We had to go to school still. I'm like, honestly... <laughs> How? <laughs> That's to do a lot to miss school. Oh, yeah. God, yeah. Oh, but it was, it, it was. But it was magical, it, though. It was. It was just such a magical flood. It just seemed impossible. It was bizarre. It was so quick and so big. And I felt no fear. I wasn't thinking, oh, we might die. I was thinking, oh, this is fun. We can splash. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. But it was, thankfully, it was B. DWM, not Doctor Who magazine. It was before Doctor Who merchandise, is what I mean. So I didn't have any merchandise to get destroyed by it. I mean, I'm just thinking, I'm so glad I didn't Brilliant. stop collecting any Doctor Who stuff before then, because that would have been awful. Perfectly timed flood. <laughs> yeah. wasn't it? I look back now, like few, but um, my copy of Asterix yeah. and Asterix and the Cauldron was destroyed. So that's the mm. that still has flood damage. I've still got that. <laughs> I do remember for for quite a few years after. Just like trying to use something and be like, oh yeah, that was in the flood. Can't yeah. just be mouldy and disgusting and all stuck together. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we never got rid of any of it. We just we just tried to muddle on with That's it. That's because we had no possessions whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. My only other memory. And I still ended yeah. up when when we moved to the Bickridge, I still ended up having a carpet in that room that mum and dad had had when they first got married. So they'd taken a carpet mm. when they first got married to different houses, yeah. must have taken it to Rose Cottage, and then they put it in the new room in the brand new house, which is just insane, because it must have been through the flood oh, as well. Honestly. But they were like, oh, no. But that's the thing. When the parish, when the parishioners came to the vicarage to visit us, there was always people looking down their noses at our house, because it was a brand new house, but we had nothing to put in it because the vicars weren't paid anything. So we just had these yeah. scrappy rugs and just like furniture that looked shit. And it was just, it's quite ironic, you know, people go up to the big house, to the vicarage, but we had nothing to put in it, which is just hilarious. Because <laughs> traditionally vicars kind of did get something more like from the community or from the rich kind of family in the kind of, is that not how it was? I, I'm, I'm, I think I'm, I'm trying to get all my learnings here from Jane Austen. I'm probably not doing very well. Good I just imagine there was some some kind of a, a way that vicars were looked after. There wasn't just a salary. Isn't it that they were gentry almost as well, though? If They were, they were obviously more rich, those families that did become right. vicars. And it was the second son was always the vicar. Because the, ah, yes. okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Because the first son inherited and the second son was always yes. the vicar. Um, but right. had money and a grand house. Yeah. Good. Anyway, this is a slight divergence from Kinder. <laughs> Just this little one. <laughs> Kinder, what are we talking about? Oh yeah. <laughs> but I do feel it's a nice picture of context of us watching Kinder in that house on a on a scrappy rug. More evocative than normal. And me, and me saying, <laughs> "Shut up, Doctor Hudson," but in a more high pitched voice than that, and way more controlling. <laughs> Good. Good. So, what are your memories of your first memories of Kinder? Or do you not remember it? Nah. <laughs> nah. nah. <laughs> I could I could I could pretend some, but no, oh, I don't have any. Shall I go then? No. And it's it's not stuck with me over the years either. Okay. Anyway, yeah, yeah, you do yours. Okay, so my memory is I really didn't like it. I was like, oh my god, I don't understand what's going on. There's that person who's who's being mad and it's upsetting me and I don't like it. Um 
but I think for me it was very tense watching it at the time because we'd just been through a stage of this is getting very deep and very personal but mum and dad almost divorced in 1981 and we I had to witness mum being quite you know mental and screaming at the top of the stairs and losing her shit and dad leaving and then coming back and all that so so to actually observe madness was something I couldn't cope with at that point so right. my reaction so it made you upset yeah so it. my reaction to Hindle um in this was really a struggle because it just took me straight back there I think um to right. things being uncertain that finally it was a point with Eglingham that we we're point getting to a point where it could be certain and okay so it was like seeing this on my on my show on my tv program someone being mad was like I couldn't cope with it um, yes, right. I'm, pr- I'm, mm. I'm probably projecting a bit of that, but I remember feeling quite upset by it and not like I didn't like it. But so going back to it, yeah, did that still? Ha- did you still have some of those feelings? No, I mean I just adore it now. I think it's just superb, and I love every bit of it. Wow. Yes, but the famously it oh. became it came last in the Doctor Who season survey and Doctor Who monthly back in the day. Um, and you right. and you've got like Four to Doomsday, which is not great, and Time of Flight, which is not great, and they all beat Kinder. And you just think, oh my god! Wow! But that's the sort of age of fans at the time that they wouldn't have been old enough to cope with Kinder and what it was saying and what it meant. You know, there's too much going on. Yeah, yeah. Okay, what about you now? Just as overall top level. Um, I felt quite annoyed by Hindle. <laughs> <laughs> Funny. <laughs> Yeah, I did. I did find him a struggle. I did right. feel like, yeah, okay, I, um, I, I hear you, but stop that now because really, it's not making any sense. So can we just, can we just get back to the plot? It did. Yeah, it wound me up, and I didn't feel like, I don't know. You, you, you like things to have reason and purpose and to be tied up in bows, and that's. I feel like his plot line to me didn't, um, didn't give me that. I didn't feel like the purpose was there and at the end I didn't feel like you know there was any real comeuppance or anything it was all just like oh we're all right again now so it just I, I felt uncomfortable about the whole thing with him right interesting you see because I had more of a problem with Sanders because because he saw inside the box of Jonah three times um once outside without opening it weirdly he just sort of held it and you didn't he couldn't open it with those stupid hands in the machine <laughs> but then, yeah. then in the prison cell, he he should have gone back to normal when he saw the box the second time. So plot wise, that annoyed me. But then the third time, he right. came back to normal. But what happened at the second time? I, I was just a bit. Why didn't that? Yes, yeah. that just logically didn't make sense. But okay. But I completely loved the Hindle thing, just the descent into madness and all of that stuff. I thought was fantastic. Okay. Yes. Maybe you can give me some update as we go yes. about what the hell was going yeah, on. Yeah, I'm sure I can because I do understand it utterly completely. And that really surprises okay. me because it's a story that I think back then I was like, I don't understand it, but I totally do now. Okay. Good. Yes. The problem is knowing what punishment would be most appropriate. T- to what? To teach you not to steal, not to commit treason, to wash behind the ears. Must be painful, don't you think? For heaven's sake! When I was a boy, I was beaten every day. Never did me any harm. Made me the man I am. Look, I have a silence. All right, speak up. What is it? Well, I was simply going to suggest that you banished him from the dome, left him at the mercy of the trees. No, no, the trees have no mercy. 
Oh yes, I was forgetting. Right, well, firstly, I need to ask the question out loud to everyone. How has Adric still not got a girlfriend? <laughs> Just... <laughs> Honestly, in the first scene, he's like, she's hopeless, see? And you're like, you bastard. <laughs> Just stop it. Who does he call Just hopeless? Do you call, so... Does he call Nissa hopeless? Um, What's he do? Yes. Yes. I think... Yeah, I think it's because she's playing chess, but not as well as he'd like. Oh. She's hopeless, see? And it's just like, sod off. It's just <laughs> really a horrible. And I just get so upset with him. As soon as he talks, you're just like, there's a chance you could be all right. But no, no, stop it. Mm. So, yeah, there we go. And I think Peter Davison's frustration with him tips over into his performance every time at this point. So he gets really over the top angry with him because he's like, I don't like you. You're annoying me. Oh, so I think, did I think Peter the not like is harder him? on Adric because he doesn't like Matthew being such a bumptious idiot. Yeah. So he didn't like Matthew or he didn't like the character he played? I think a bit of both. But I think Matthew was just famously a, a very confident 19-year-old, finally in his favourite TV show, like amazing, against all the odds and just thinking he was it. But, I mean, since... Did he really? Oh, totally, yeah. But... Oh, but after the fact, of, so that walk, that oh yeah, kind confidence. of look at me walk, was he meant it? I think to a degree. <gasps> I always thought that was. Oh God. I mean, obviously oh, he was overwhelmed disgusting. by it, and Tom Baker was horrible to him, and so was Lala Ward, and I think they were mean. But it wasn't his fault; that he was cast. But I think there's an element of overconfidence, mm. but also fear as well. I imagine. I mean, it's such a huge thing at 19 to be in your favorite TV yes. show, having written into Doctor Who weekly and everything. Saying how much he loved Doctor Who. Yeah, I guess. But, um, God, yeah. I mean, now he regrets how he was yeah. on it. But I think for the people who work with... But he, he recognises yeah, who he was. Yeah, yeah, Wow. But um, he is very annoying in it. I mean, immediately he starts... He starts banging all the wind chimes and everything. And it's like, no, just just calm down and be nice. Don't be such an asshole. <laughs> yes. Can I just mention that draft oh. scene? That scene where they, he does the drafts over the top of all the different counters. It's it's a trope I hate. It's in so many TV shows. Once you see it, where oh, because that's not how you play drafts. Well, no, it is. But if you if they're set up in such a way that you can suddenly leapfrog all the different counters, but the amount of TV shows that's in just as a thing. Oh, you're not concentrating. Dum oh. dum dum dum. Honestly, I just can't cope with it because you see it all the time. If you, if you're watching for it. Yeah. It's, Every series does it at some point, and it's no. Just... I feel like I've seen it in a few oh, things, so yeah. Now you'll see it all the time. I promise you. <laughs> okay. Anyway. So what was the big dude called? The big dude. Oh, the main dude. What Sanders? Not Hindle. Sanders. Sanders. Yes. Oh, and he looks like Colonel Sanders. I got it now. Um. So I quite liked his kind of stereotype. Uh, it was such a clear stereotype. I, I quite liked it. Maybe it's because you don't see it so much now. It does feel like a a thing of the 70s, like, well, it was the 80s. But, like, it's it was common because those products of the army who were really um, everything about rules and about being, you know, top, tip-top condition, all that kind of thing, there, there were a lot of people like that. And so... Oh, Seen they were. I just think, I think a lot of them lived in our TV, a lot of them lived in our parish actually. <laughs> yeah, God, there was a lot of bizarre characters. Wasn't there? General Stanton is that who C- you think? Colonel Stanton. God. Yeah, he was very much oh, like Sanders. It? Yeah, very much. Yeah. Yes. 
Yeah. Oh, that's mental. Yeah. Um, yeah. So was he supposed to to really be um, like a caricature of like a big game hunter? Yes. Or like a, yeah, but a, also like just of a colonialist um, character. Um, yes. He's based on Sanders of the River. He's actually, there was a sneaky because they actually called him Sanders, you know, Sanders of the River. Mm. But it's this colonialist character. I mean, they even put them in pith helmets to show these are British colonialists invading yes. an indigenous yes. people. I mean, it was so clear. It wasn't. So who's Sanders of the River? Sanders of the River is a 1935 British film um, and it was set in Nigeria and starred Paul Robeson. And yes, so okay. it was a it was a film that um so okay. yeah but a book first i'm guessing i don't know yes based on the stories of edgar it wallace oh, I'm not yes it. exactly <laughs> it is good yes yes good so that's that um but then there's yeah. heart of darkness which influenced christopher bailey as well which is a really quite a scary dark story of about a man who goes to the Congo to relieve an outpost where this character called Kurtz has kind of gone a bit AWOL or they don't know until they get there and they get to this outpost and they find out he's become king of these these savages as they're called, you know, these natives. Oh. Um, troubly, trouble, troublesome racially this book now. Um, and yeah. he tries to relieve him of command and I think he, he dies can't remember how but um but it's all about him his descent into madness and how he's he's mad but he's got these tribes of people he's somehow tricked into being his his chattels his property really and he's having an affair with a native woman right. and all this stuff so it's all about that but it's problematic because heart of darkness and sort of alluding to the african peoples all being one and all being dark and sort of using the word dark as well but also mm. you know saying that they they have no agency and they're so influenced by colonialists. Well, obviously the colonialists invaded and destroyed a lot of culture and stuff. But um yeah. But there's so clear direct allusions with Kinder and the the you know the hostages of the natives and all that stuff. Yes. Yeah. And the madness. I did that sentence was quite insane that um <laughs> what what do you call her? Neza. Um Neris Hughes. Yes. Neris Hughes, Neris Hughes, um, like, so you're quite sure there's no risk? And she's like, well, yes, of course, I've done all the studies, there's no risk. Obviously, we've just kidnapped those people, but aside from that, there's absolutely no risk. <laughs> it's like, why would kidnapping mean that no one had any kind of angle for retribution? It was just mental that that could be her recommendation. I know, honestly. Yeah, I enjoyed that. Yes. Yeah. It's interesting that they chose to have an indigenous peoples that were all white because mm. it's kind of racist if your indigenous people are always black. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> In a way. But <laughs> But then we know that they only had Bert Quook who was Asian. <laughs> yeah, he was exactly. probably like one black actor and he was busy. Exactly. So, so yeah. maybe that was yeah. more more why. But um anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh. Um but not only were they racist, but I found it quite interesting. I'd never thought about it before that eSpace was also sexist because this isn't, really eSpace is this all isn't that, eSpace. Ad, no, I know it's not. Oh, I, see. I know it isn't, but that's all that Adric's ever known. And like 
he's really his experiences are East based and nothing else. Right. Yeah, he's so fucking sexist throughout. <laughs> it is just infuriating. <laughs> like it's just like you have no reason for these views. Like you had every chance to have been brought up with a very different viewpoint, right. but not nah, just stick with that same old sexism, you annoying bastard. <laughs> well, so yeah. So can you tell me what you feel about Adric? <laughs> I like him. I think he's great. I think he's lovely. Uh, <laughs> gosh. Hello. Who's winning? I am. Thank you. She's hopeless in her present state of mind. Don't exaggerate. I only fainted. Twice. But also I felt quite sad, didn't you? For um, Like when, when the doctor and like that court and he kind of does his cheeky chap thing and almost would you like a jelly baby but then you're looking at it and it's just so pale by comparison like you just you're seeing peter do his cheeky chap thing and then you're remembering tom doing his cheeky chap thing and you're like oh you've not quite got it <laughs> <laughs> love you but you can't cheeky chap over the cheeky chap of heaven okay. like you just can't do it it just yeah, yeah. I, I, not that he did it wrong like I like the, the friendly friendly let's be a bit silly but he just that wasn't his strength yeah. that wasn't the thing that he can do well and there was other things later on where I was like oh yeah that, that was a good thing for Peter like there was something some things that he could own in a way that other doctors couldn't yeah. which I found quite nice I mean I think there's an element of this behind the scenes that this story had been around since 1980 so Christopher Bailey probably right. wrote it for Tom Baker originally and Romana, I would imagine. Right. So I do. Th- that would have worked. So I do think. That would have worked really well. I do wonder if Neris Hughes' character of Todd was actually just a Romana originally, because a lot of their exchanges are quite do- Fourth Doctor and Romana. Uh, yes. So which I I love, but and I, I think I kind of yeah yeah. That scene where um, I do like when the Doctor yeah. has a, a female kind yeah. of extra friend that they kind of very Amelia Rumford. Yes. Just kind of it adds something a bit more to Particularly it. Particularly if it? they're a bit older as well. I mean, I know Neris Hughes was only a Ooh. bit older, but yeah, that works so well. Always does. But she wore grey tights, so really, she's as good as 80, really. Well, they were blue, weren't they? I think they were blue. Oh, they were nasty. But yeah. <laughs> There's that scene where they do heads and tails and... And that was really nice. It was really Dr. Romana. And also the repeat of um, Why Do You Ask So Many Questions, which he says to her first, and then she says it to him later to get him back. And that was really oh, I didn't, I Romana-esque. Didn't catch that. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah, it's very good. Yes, that is. I love Neris Hughes. Can we just say it? She was amazing in it. I just thought she was fantastic. No, I'm with you. God. Good. Yeah, no, I agree. She did. She had a really strong character, and I wasn't expecting to like her as much as I did. Yeah. She did, yeah. She she owned the space that she was in really strongly, which was lovely. Yeah, totally. Which way? Has anyone ever told you you ask a lot of questions? My training, I'm a scientist. Yes, so you are. Well? Ah, uh, that way. You sure? Come on. So, where should we start? I know we've already started, but I feel like there's so much to say. Ah, uh, it's difficult. Well, I'm kind of I'm I'm nearing a section in my notes that yeah. where I talk about Lou from East End. Is, is Lou? <laughs> Lou Beale, and, yes. and I'm like Yeah, and I'm just like, I don't know where to start really. And then I start talking about Reg Hollis and I'm like, I'm very confused now. <laughs> like I just I'm not quite there. So can you cover the whole Lou Beale Reg Hollis thing? Who's Reg Hollis? Is he the one who died in the first episode of EastEnders? No. No, Reg Hollis is um from the Bill. Oh, and who's he? 
He's he's the guy who has a wee chit chat with. Tegan. Oh, he's Ducker, um, so he's um, Jeffrey yeah. Stewart. Oh, I didn't realise he was in the bill. Okay, so yeah. <clears throat> so this is in the dark places of the inside. So this is effectively in Tegan's head, I guess, but she's able to access right. this through the wind chimes um, because right. she dreamed alone, but you know unshared dreaming under the wind chimes is not a good thing we learn. <laughs> well we all know that <clears throat> yeah i know i know i always avoid wind chimes in woods if i'm out alone together i would sit down and have, I have avoid a sleep wind chimes. <laughs> yeah. they are um concepts or states of mind that are part of buddhism so they are the mara's three associates they're named after states of being they are anicca, which means otherness, anatta, which is right. impermanence, and dukkha, which is suffering. And, and that's really good with hummus as well, isn't it? <laughs> what? I love hummus you can get with dukkha. It kind of, um, it's like seeds and stuff on the top. It's oh, lovely. Gosh, I didn't anyway, know that. carry on. So yeah. in Buddhism... I don't think you have the devil or it's it's the evil things are things that are about things in your life where you've not let go of material things or you're not dealing with things correctly or you've got obsessions or whatever it is and it all comes from within. So this idea of the Mara is that it's an inner demon. And Well that's quite nice. <clears throat> People take responsibility for their shittiness. Exactly. As to just saying it was the devil. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's good. It is. Like it. So the Mara is kind of an inner demon, which is why it comes from the inside, and it's it's yeah, this is Stopped, this yeah. is a way out through your mind, yeah. But um, also, Annika and Anatta, who are the Lou Beale and the other man, they um, they're kind of meant to represent Adric and Nissa to Tegan as well, because they remember they sat at the start playing drafts, and you see them and they're oh, playing. Oh yeah. no, missed that. Yes. Yeah, got it, but didn't get it. And yep. therefore, that means Ducker is the Doctor. In her mind, so they're kind of playing roles. Um, yes. Bloody hell! See? Did you have to read some of it to work this out? Um. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Good. But it makes sense now. Yeah, it does. It really does. Yeah. Good. <laughs> did you see? Why did you? I asked first. So you did see. It proves nothing, because an illusion is shared doesn't mean... Of course not. Besides, how do I know that what you think you see is... Is what you think you see. Or vice, sir. Yes, sir. Exactly. <laughs> I can only conclude it is you who have invented her as a means of putting me off my day. And I can see Lou Beale and, and Nissa being like two peas in a pod. I mean, they are. I mean, they've got the same the face way. to a T, haven't they? Yeah. <laughs> I used to hate Lou Beale and EastEnders. I'm Pauline. Oh, Pauline. So I'm going to sit here with my big baggy face and I'm going to be angry at everything. Arthur Fowler. Arthur Fowler, if you don't sort out this marriage. God. <laughs> it was a relief for everyone when she died. Horrendous old bag. Um... I don't know whether it's true, but I think she might be Mark Wing Davies' mother, who was, um, so that's Zaphod Beeblebrox in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I might be making that up. 
Seems right somehow that today of all days you should lose your job again. Now listen, Mum. Sit I'm... down, Arthur. No one interrupts Lou Beale in midstream. Yeah, I love it that you might just hope that you've got that right, but then decided to make it up anyway. Keep talking, Watch. and okay. I will um, I will find out whether that's true. Well, what questions have you got for me? Questions, oh, okay. questions. What the hell was going on? Was the the gist? Yes, sorry, um, children. So, Mark yeah, Wing Davy. Yes. That. So yes, Dave yeah. Beale for Boxer's mother. There you go. Good yes. to know. God, that was quick work. Thank quick you. work. Thank you, please. Like right. <laughs> What what was it? You wanted to know? Anything else? What the hell was going on? The, the, the main gist was like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Just, <laughs> I wasn't getting okay. it. What were you getting? Oh, there was a sentence I liked. The power of life and death all over all yes. of you. I have the power of life and death over all of you. Yes. Which John, yes. John loved repeating. Weird. He just loved it. He thought it was great. Yeah. Did he? He did. Good. He was oh, okay. I'm on to a new bit and I Tell liked me. it. Good things about Peter. I like it. So, the cuteness when Pete watched Adric do his magic trick. Utterly adorable. Mm. Like, this is a whole new side. He was like entranced. Mm. He was like really excited. And then he kind of, he was keen to learn and he couldn't quite get <coughs> it. And he was just so. Oh, it was just so gullible and so yeah, sweet. Yeah, it was nice, wasn't it? It was, it was an adorable part of him. Yeah, I really liked it. And then he's, oh, I'm going to give it a go too. And he kind of effed it up a bit. Now oh, he's just hugging him. So, yeah, I, I, I liked that that was, to my mind, it may not have been, but an attempt to differentiate him from from Tom. I just, it needed to happen. Yes. We couldn't just have yeah, him do actually, the same old thing. Yeah. And so yeah, yeah, giving him something completely him, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's really good. Yes. Yeah, I think it's also one of those examples of where he runs into a situation with breathless enthusiasm as well, though, and then he has to sort of backtrack. I feel like it's a very Peter Davison's Doctor thing. Oh, okay. Where he's kind of breezes in in a different way to Tom Baker, and then kind of like is like, oh shit, I can't actually deal with this. Yeah, because Tom cause... kind of always knew what he was doing. Like, he looked like he didn't, yeah. but then he was like, oh, I always had a plan. But Peter was just a bit less planny. <laughs> yeah, he always had to... I think he always had was in... I feel like Peter Davison was in more danger and he had to actually sort of like work his way out. He certainly didn't he feel to... like he was definitely going to get out of his troubles each time. You definitely no. thought, oh yeah, he no. might be stuck this time. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yes. What did you think about gender in this story? I'm intrigued to hear your thoughts on that. Um, I guess it was quite nice that the men yeah. were dumb. That's always good. Yeah. <laughs> men are dumb, as we all know. Um, hello, listeners. <laughs> um, yeah, no, um, it, I, I did enjoy that. Um, but it, of the stories that we've looked at, generally have found something in there incredible incredibly troublesome with the sexism and I guess I felt less of that here like because the um because that whole colonial thing was so strong and it was portrayed as obviously as it is as something disgusting then the things that the men were doing were seen as quite bad um and then the tribes where the women were stronger and the the men were more subservient 
then that was nice too. Obviously there was more male actors and there are always bloody ears and there are little things like that. But essentially it did, I, I was I was left feeling it was quite equal. Nothing too, um, it, it wasn't really strong in either direction, which, which is a nice feeling for me. Hmm, it's unusual, isn't it, for that time, I think. <coughs> yeah. So um, can we talk about Panna? Because I think she's fantastic. Mary Morris as Panna. Yes. Wasn't she fantastic? She was oh. very good, actually. Did you bring the not-wee woman from the dome? Yes. Where is she? Let me feel her face. You are welcome. Thank you. There is another. What other? Hello. A man. He was with her. Impossible. Was he present when you opened the box? Yes. Most enlightening. What's he babbling about? No male can open the box of Jana without being driven out of his mind. It's well known. Unless... Is he an idiot? Are you an idiot? Well, I suppose I must be. I have been called one. Keep silent, idiot. Yeah. So, um, I liked her. Although I've got a problem with it now because Marisa was watching um, with me and she. Do you know what she calls her? It's just so funny. So apparently, Mary Morris, when she was young, was really beautiful and really pretty okay. and then, you know, gradually got more leathery as time went on and more amazingly character actressy. But um, she said, she's old Zoe Ball. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I can see it. Yeah, old yes. Zoe Ball. She has that she impish says, face, doesn't she? The high cheekbones yeah, and the short said, hair. She said, that's what Zoe Ball will look like when she's really old. Oh, she will. Oh, you should take a picture and do that age thing for Zoe Ball. Yeah, yes. I know exactly. Panna. Maybe put yes. that on, yeah, put that on, um, on Twitter. On, on the Twitters, a, a, yes. On yes. the Twitters. <laughs> Old Zoe Ball. Yes, you're right. I think she's she's onto something there. No, I did like her. I did, And I, I did like the... I, I have no idea that she was going to become new Panna spokesperson. Um, so I, I did like that bit of a, a plot line. It was good. Mm. Um, her performance has been criticised, um, Sarah Prince, who played Karuna, but I thought she was perfectly serviceable. I just thought she was young and she was sort of yeah. like, you know... There's nothing wrong with her at all. I always thought she was Do you was know good. who she reminded me of? Who? She reminded me of Liz in uh, Time Slip. Don't know oh, why. yes. Her face is very screechy. similar. Yes. Cheryl yes. Burfield. And yes. I, I did... The thing that I kind of felt was just like, if you'd have put that set for Kinder next to um, the set for... What was <gasps> the... Oh my god! Yeah, yeah, better title of Year of the Burn Up, yes. Honestly, yeah, yeah, it is that jungle. (laughs) And one of them, it's like the end's about to, the the world's about to die, and the other one, it's like it's paradise. It's like, well, fucking make your mind up. (laughs) Bloody palm trees mean. Time of the hot shit. I I do like that's my favourite time slip episode. Is time of the hot shit. But I, this comes on to an important point here. I'm, I'm glad you've mentioned Time Slip because it meant that I could play the music in. Hooray! Any excuse Woo! for Time Slip content. But um, that jungle, it was such a shame that it wasn't the creature from the pit jungle or the planet of evil jungle to show that you can do f- jungles really well in the studio provided you're at Ealing and you're on a sound studio and you're in, on a sound stage and you can actually do it on film. And they just did it in BBC TV Centre. It was such a shame. I think if Kinder had felt like 
jungle and creatures from the pit or planet of evil it would have been so amazing and scary and fantastic if it felt like a real jungle wow. I, you know? I was not offended by it at all oh right I, okay like I didn't look at it and think bloody jungle. I just I was annoyed by the way it was interpreted in terms of wow this is paradise. It's like well no it's a bloody jungle. But it just it didn't it didn't detract. I mean I obviously I like Doctor Who therefore I'm not that fussed about special effects. So it no. was never been important to me that it looks perfect. But it I was never distracted enough to think oh that looks rubbish. Like it it to me it did its job quite happily. Mm. Yes. Going back to the um, black and white scenes with the um, with the characters, um, yeah. <coughs> I think what's forgotten is how of its time it was. And people looking back saying, oh, it's a bit weird. It's like, well, actually, it's so in keeping with the new romantic music videos of the time. It's just totally that feel um, of 80s, the, the rise of the pop videos. And I think there was that so aesthetic that like... going on. When they have like the premonition y stuff, is that what the what you mean? Or when No, no, I'm talking about drafts, uh, Yeah, in yeah, in the Lubiel draft scenes, the sort of right. the the sort of like Yeah. Yeah, the black and white world of the music video of the time. It was very yeah. much No I, yeah, that I can feel. I can definitely see yes, yeah. uh, an episode of Ashes to Ashes being done in the same way. So yeah, I'm I yeah. get you. Hmm. But um, um carry on. Well, I'm. Oh God, sorry. You keep hearing a banging. I've got really small ears, and I'm wearing Samsung headphones. And every two seconds, my headphones fall out and bang the table. I'm really trying <laughs> to keep them in, but, but it just does not work. I'm just yeah, yeah. Please, can we design some that work? Thank you. Um. So yeah, a line that I really enjoyed, and I was thinking, is this a sentence we used to say? Maybe not. Where Adric turns and says. War about Tegan? It's like, are you kidding me? Did you just say war about Tegan? It just suddenly sounded bizarrely like affected Northern. It was so strange. Uh, I Did think you my hear fa- that? No, that I didn't me? hear it. I haven't written it down, but I believe you. <laughs> Doctor. Yeah. What about Tegan? Shh. <laughs> my favourite line in the whole thing is when Hindle's mad and he says. But this game, it's got measuring and everything. <laughs> <laughs> I did like that. Yeah. That was really good. I felt like that was the kind of thing that you would use to describe a really good game for me. Yeah, I would. I'm trying to get you on board with the game. It's got measuring and everything. <laughs> yeah. And you'd give me that sort of doubtful look and then go along with it anyway. Yeah. yeah. But then what would you not say? To a person who's clearly descending into madness, you wouldn't yeah. turn around. Oh, what you say that about me? You, you need... said that about me. No, no, no. <laughs> the line of "you need medical help." Oh Come yeah. Come say that. Stop oh, it. I see. Yeah, if sorry. someone is in that kind of a state, just kind of try and make shit better. Don't start and flaming them with that kind of stuff. It just. Well, yeah, that was that was Todd, wasn't it? But then later on, she she's good because she's the one who saves the day by distracting him with the box, isn't she? So she does yes. well later on, but before well, that, it's true. like, no. Because Adric actually is really clever. He's the one who yes. realises, let's play I've along. I've just written here, Adric, quick off the mark. Huh? <laughs> because, <laughs> yes, he really did. He saved the day. He saw what needed to happen and played the game really well. I was, yeah, I must admit, I didn't hate him all the way through this, which was always yeah. nice. Yeah. yeah, no, he, he did his good parts. Why do you think the plants are hostile? Because they are. Yes. Hedrick? Yes, of course. 
Can't you see it? He's got it right. He's absolutely right. The plants are the danger. I'd like to help you. And in the context of where the story fall, falls immediately after Fall to Doomsday, I think the Doctor's reaction to Adric is like, oh, what? What is he doing? He's confused by it. But that's because Adric has just spent four episodes falling under the spell of Monarch in Fall to Doomsday and thinking he's good when he's bad. So I think right, he's thinking, so oh, Adric's... Trust him. Yes, Adric's kind of fallen under the spell of this person now because he's an idiot, but he's not. He's just being really clever and thinking, this is how you deal with mad people. Yes. 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 Agree. <laughs> Yes. But if you were in a scrape and perhaps, I don't know, locked up somewhere, um, would you, <laughs> in any circumstances, pass a key to either Neris Hughes or Peter Davison? Because I certainly would not. They were rubbish at concealing keys. Like, it was oh, just, how bad can you be? Like, I do think I Adric really... I think Adric really was amazing in his helpingness and then they just fucked yes. it up they really did <laughs> they fumbly hands from hell it's just <laughs> yeah, exactly. hell yeah i mean like neris neza nice. could have stood up next to the doctor to shield the view of the other kinder anything. so that yeah, anything can't we do anything that's a neris he's line <laughs> can't we do anything can't we do anything can't we do anything can't we do anything yes you can you can hide with your big well not big bottom <laughs> she didn't have a big <laughs> Gosh. So, yes. I want to talk about something I loved, which is the trickster character, the kinder who was the, the jester. Oh, yes. Oh, loved him all the way through. And I think that was my main takeaway of something new. I hadn't realised how good it was that he was all the time reflecting the action and mirroring the actions of the people like when he was when he was being Aris and beating his chest and and other times when he was the first interaction with the doctor and Neza was amazing oh I loved all that when um so Neris is saying what his role is in the society and he's like yeah that is my role in agreeing with her and you know it's so brilliantly put together I loved all that yes we take the point don't we Yes, the clown stroke jester is a familiar figure, anthropologically speaking. He diffuses a potential source of conflict through mockery and ridicule, don't you? Yeah, no, he, I did. I agree, I agree. I liked him. But that makes me feel that um, because his role was so similar to Sylvester McCoy's doctor that really <gasps> oh, yeah. he probably he didn't have enough mileage to be a doctor <laughs> like he's a good bit part he, he's not enough to carry a story and he was he had he played the role in such a Sylvester McCoy way um yeah it just it made it, it I didn't dislike him but it just made me think god yeah I could, it, a whole story with that is just it's a struggle <laughs> You're really not on the McCoy train at the moment, are you? I'm really not. I'm really going off him more every day. See, I, I watched Curse good. of Fenric with, with John and it's the first time we'd seen it and we absolutely adored it for the first time in a long time. Because I, I, last time I watched it, I was a bit disappointed in it, but this time, oh, I loved it. And thought mm, McCoy was fantastic. Okay. So anyway, 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 oh, anyway. I need to try that. So yes. the trickster, the trickster character, um, do you know he was played by an actor who played the science teacher in Grange Hill for many years, if you recognised him? Hmm. Yes. What's he called in Grange Hill? I don't know that. You're asking me That's very no specific help. questions. I knew what well, subject he taught. Gosh. That was very impressive. Yes. Okay, I like that. I'll find out. Um, Good. 
Okay. Um, can you tell me what this is from? Because, oh yeah, I know who you mean now. Yeah. Jeff yeah. Hankin. Yeah, yes, Mr. Hankin. Um, yeah. Good. Yes, he was, oh, you remember him from a few things actually. Um, mm. Yeah, so I've just come to the line, it's real with measuring everything. So I've written it down because it excited me that much as well. <laughs> obedience, obedience, stop. I agree. Why have I written that down? Tell me. So it's when Karuna has been told by Panna to go around the tribes people to see what's in their hearts and they're all obedient to Aris. So she's like, obedience, 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 obedience. And then Panna says, stop, stop. Oh, yeah. yes. Okay, so she, she's like, oh, so what are they thinking? And then yeah. she goes, and oh, okay. Yes. Yes. All right. No, I was, yeah, it was a struggle. Um, <laughs> oh, at this stage, can we just play in a brilliant clip of me annoying you? Oh, yes. So this is very near the start. It's just after you've been singing along to the theme tune, which is forbidden. <laughs> You actually, as the um, repr reprise of this episode two cliffhanger, just after that, you decide to add your own words in, <laughs> in response to Hindle. So, but also listen out for me being annoyed with Hindle as well. So I'm playing that in now. Okay, so put the light on. <laughs> <laughs> and didn't put the light on become quite a classic line in our house where I feel like it was said quite totally. a lot after that for some reason. I think I just never yes. got over the fact that you actually shouted it out loud on the recording. But <laughs> I wasn't exactly little boy blue of goodness anyway there either because I when Hindle's going mad there, I say stupid. <laughs> you hear me say stupid because yeah. <laughs> I'm really annoyed with him. <laughs> well, you should do. Yeah. So, yeah, which is maybe my fail-safe mechanism against seeing madness on TV and just calling it stupid because I didn't want to deal with it. But anyway, let's not get deep about that again. But um, put the light on! No. I want to go somewhere slightly deep here. Um, there's a bit where I think Sanders is telling um, Adric just mm. to to just carry on and just play along even if he doesn't completely agree with Hindle, is that have I got that right? He's like, you yes, must play he said along. about he means well. Yes, and we all mean well, really, don't we? Underneath it all and stuff. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yes, a... and uh, to me, I just those those words were really, really triggering for me to. Obviously, mm. I do talk about it quite a bit, but the amount of my life with Derek, where I would be really struggling with his appalling behaviour and feeling really. Yeah just like confused with how we're supposed to deal with this and and the amount of people who would just really strongly advise you just to to just you know put your head down and carry on it's not that bad you know no one's really a bad person you, you you've, we've all got our own problems so just just be as supportive as you can be and don't worry and like it just the it really brings out to me how damaging it is to to not truly listen and understand what is yeah. being said to you when when people are told to just you know play along it's yeah. so dangerous you you've got to stand up for things and i guess and i think that was almost being said in this it certainly wasn't saying that was the yeah, right absolutely. advice to give so because but yeah, it yeah. Was, 
Because Adric's only playing along with Hindle's mania in order to make him not go, you know, do something really stupid. And playing along with mania is not a good idea if it leads can lead to what it almost led to here. I mean, there was a clear message here. But I mean, yeah. if you'd carried on playing along with Derek's mania, I mean, God knows, you know. I know. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. No, it was. They obviously got the situation in a good way because, yeah, he they wasn't did. portrayed as being in the right. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, can I just say something that struck yeah. me? That I yeah. thought that I think that Neris Hughes, if you can't see her, but if you listen to her on audio, as I did listening to the, the recording from 1983, was that um, she sounds really like Julie Andrews and I never noticed it before. <laughs> so I'm just, just going to play proper... a bit of... I'm going to play Neza in so you can hear how much she sounds like Julie Andrews. There you go. Which way now? Yes. Yes, what? We're lost. Where precisely were we heading? Well, I thought the cave in the dream. Are you sure that exists? Oh, absolutely. So, where do we go from here? Tell you what, toss for it. Heads this way, tails that. Heads. Tails. See? <laughs> I I hear you. I love yes. that she is now Neza to both. In all of my notes, she's Neza. <laughs> yes, that's a, I even wrote it in my notes, Neza. <laughs> Neza can, can you explain this? It could be too far into my brain. Yeah. But I've written Neza and Pete. Nice when sane people gravitate, regardless of their side. Uh, is is that something a bit more abstract? I don't know. Is it just about them working together regardless? I think maybe I was just loving their Romana um, yeah. doctor relationship. Um, yeah. And yeah, I think it just it just was appealing to see that kind of mutual, I think, yeah, mutual respect was probably yes. one of the things that kind of came out of it. That there was yeah. there was no one necessarily in charge, which is always how the Doctor and Romana were. They were just both clever people who kind of muddled along together in a really beautiful way. Yeah, totally. And I think um, I think I, I just love how confident he, she is in who she is, because her first reaction to, you know, ask so many questions, she's like, well, I'm a scientist. That's what I do. It's my training. Yeah, I just love that. Yeah, she's like, nah, that's it. That's why. Don't put any of your shit on me. <laughs> that's just me. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Liked. Good luck. Yes. Like yes. her. We do like her. I was very excited to see that an episode of the Adventure Game was recovered very recently, or f- someone finally admitted they had it, and they put it online um, on YouTube. But it was actually the episode of the Adventure Game from the end of 1981 with Neris Hughes, uh, around the time cool. that she, uh, around the time that she'd just done this, and they introduce her as she's now going to be in Doctor Who at the start. <laughs> <gasps> Exciting! Yeah. yeah, so go and watch that oh, on YouTube. So the, cool. the Neris Hughes episode. Yes. Oh, I will. I think I did go through a phase of watching shit tons of episodes of the adventure game not too long ago, so I'll happily watch that one now. Yes, yes. It, it, it did. I think it stands the test of time. Or does it just improve with age because they wear such terrible um, outfits? Well, I think the series that this was in was my favourite series was the Leslie Judd is the Mole series, which is just fantastic. Um, oh, where she's, yeah. Yeah. Um, mole, mole, go to your hole. But it's it's i think they must have recorded for hours on end and then someone had to spend ages editing it down to something watchable hello welcome to adventure game well another exploration team will soon be on its way across to the other side of the galaxy to arg a little known planet where the argons are getting ready to receive them 
Argans have a curious sense of hospitality, and several new surprises lie in wait for what the Rangdo disparagingly refers to as the space trippers. Oh, hush now, Uncle. Look, I've got something to... But one Earth person, of course, he wouldn't include is Leslie Judd, who failed to return from a previous expedition and is now living on Arg, thoroughly enjoying being the mole. She has no intention of returning to Earth. Lovely. So, while the Argons are completing their preparations uh, here on Earth, today's visitors are just arriving. And we have actor, dancer, singer, comedian, and pretty well everything else, Derek Griffiths, the liver bird, Neris Hughes, soon joining Doctor Who as a cool, crisp scientist, and someone who described herself as an inscrutable apothecary, and that's Tessa Hamp. Right, I'm just gonna, I've got a phrase for you. Garden, Garden of Eden. Garden of Eden. Or time of the time of the really hot shit. <laughs> God. No, just the just the snake and the apple and all that stuff. Just the Christian illusion myth. There and an all apple? That. Oh, she ate an apple at one point. She did. Yeah, but also Tegan threw apples on Aris's head. There was a kind of Adam oh, and Eve yes. thing, slightly, and the, and the serpent, the snake. and But just yes. in a slightly, oh, that's an interesting nod. It wasn't really yeah. like a kind no, of particular. because it, it was way more Buddhist than it was Christian, thank God. Yes. Yeah. Did I tell you okay. that, no, that at, uni- at university we did this Christianity and other religions course, which I only did because I was so bored of Christianity by that point, um, <laughs> um, doing my theology degree. And the whole class agreed. We kind of had to research different religions for a few weeks and then come back and decide which one was the best. Which sounds so ridiculous in a way because it's so like, which is better? I like. I like this I one. I want to be a Sikh. <laughs> like, it was exactly like that. We had the seminar in which we wanted to say which one we wanted the most. And we all decided that Christianity was the worst and it caused the worst problems. Um, Good. Uh, but the one that we liked the most was Buddhism. And we all said we yeah. would be Buddhist because it's easily the best. And it's about taking responsibility for who you are and stuff like that. Really? Yeah. Good. And I still think it's it's up there. <laughs> it's not my favourite religion. <laughs> Good. I think yes. that was money well spent. Good job that you did that. <laughs> yeah, that degree. Good. Um. Something that I'm interested in is um, a phrase that was used in Doctor Who fandom for a long time, but now it's kind of come out of fashion, which is to describe someone who's not a Doctor Who fan, to call them the not-we. So, oh, really? Yes. Oh, but gosh, it's now so all of the kind angry Jody types should be talk- calling people not-we's. Yes, oh, and I think it's now being discarded because it's kind of like, well, no, we're open to everyone. And you don't have to have knowledge of Doctor Who. You don't have to have all this knowledge that people did in the 80s. So, you Christ, know. I might finally be allowed into fandom. <laughs> exactly. No, we will never be allowed in, Alex. That is the golden rule, is that we're never allowed into fandom properly, ever. Good. Yes. Did I tell you about my experience about that in um, when I was recording the, the DVD extras for Kessler? No. So I went. I'm just oh call my them. god! We had gone almost a whole episode with no name dropping. So please yes. tell me about Clifford Rose and your very close relationship. Uh, well, I do have a very close relationship with Clifford Rose. We send Christmas cards I to know. each other. We write to each other. But um, that's that's that was I was saving that for our Warriors Gate pod- podcast, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Uncle Cliff, Cliffy Babes, as we call him in this house, lovely. Yes. But um. 
No, so I was hired by DD Video to do all the Secret Army um, releases to produce them and also the Kessler one, which is the sequel. And I went to the house of the person who was editing the Kessler um, DVD um, and he is a famous Doctor Who fan, let's just say that. And oh God, you can't even say his name because he's so famous and someone will know him. Okay, yeah, yes. totally. And I went to his house and we edited the um, making of documentary for Kessler, which we'd recorded some weeks earlier in London with Clifford and with with Michael Bryant. Was he in it? Was Michael E. Bryant even in it? No, I don't know whether we, we recorded scenes with him. I can't remember who we got into the studio. Anyway. Anyway, anyway, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I'm falling asleep slowly, but can Oh, rude! <laughs> rude! Anyway, Michael E. Bryant, another friend, another name drop. Fame! <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Director of Robots of Death, everyone. Um, so... <laughs> You're both alienated <laughs> and improved. Everyone time. hates me. No. Um, so I arrived anyway, and there was this group of Doctor Who fans in this dining room to the side of the house. And I walked in, and there was a hushed silence. And then these five Doctor Who fans, I presume they're all quite famous Doctor Who fans as well, looked me up and down like I was the biggest piece of shit they'd ever seen. And like, oh, wow. is this him? And they said, is this him? And the guy said, yeah, this is him. And then they filed past me and left. And he said, oh, I better get on with this now. But the feeling was, why is this guy doing DVD extras? Who is this person? Who is he? Uh, uh, it was, it was just because the... you hadn't earned the right? No, or... I hadn't earned the right at all. It was just like, this disgusts me. Yes. Well, so, I mean, obviously Kessler isn't Doctor Who. So why, no. why would they be so furious that... I think it was anyone doing DVD extras at that point. And I even had people who were doing the Doctor Who extras on the DVDs at the time get in touch to say, why am I not, why am I not doing this? When I did Survivors okay. as well in Secret Army, it was just very much like, well, why am I not doing this? It was really interesting. I got a lot of nastiness at the time. And wow. I was just kind of like, well, I'm never going to be in this fandom so it's a big surprise to me now that I do a Doctor Who podcast. It's just the biggest yeah, surprise. Yeah, I, I, I was do gonna... remember that period where you were really disenfranchised with Doctor Who and you did really kind of hide your Doctor Who light under a bushel for a long time. Well, like, it's like when I interview anyone about that. It's like when I interviewed Louise Jameson and Pennant Roberts for various things and I didn't reveal, you know, I wouldn't talk about it because I wanted to have that feeling that, you know, well, you're a person in your own right and not everyone has to be a Doctor Who fan. You know what I mean? So, yeah, that's yeah. a slightly different... Yes. I mean, there's two things to that. There's one where you're respectful enough to not ruin their experience by, okay, I love Doctor Who, so tell me all about that. Yeah. Um, but also the fact that there was a, a degree of feeling not worthy in the in the Doctor Who world because there yeah. was an exclusion. Well, remember how we were at the Exospace convention? I mean, we were so sort of like... We kind of fell out of our depth and we weren't included by anyone, were we? There was no sort of like reaching oh. out. I think your memory and my memory is probably quite different because okay. all I needed was you there. Like yeah. you and I went there together and just that feeling of having a whole itinerary of things happening for the next couple of days, knowing that I had my big brother to save me and look after me the whole time. Like yeah. I, I just felt absolute 
glory and joy. Like there was no part of me where I was thinking, oh, I wish they were a bit friendlier. Like I was just thinking this is heaven. Whereas for you, you were probably aware that you were responsible for everything with me. And actually it'd be quite nice to talk to a Doctor Who fan who actually gave a shit at some point. But like it just, it was whatever your needs were at that moment. So it was just probably yeah. a little bit different for you. Yeah, totally. I mean, there's that Doctor Who group down, down there, the Devon Seaside Devils that I was yes. part of. Um, but beyond that, anyone else coming, it would have been nice just to have more discussion or hanging out in the bar or any of that. But mm. none of that really kind of happened. And um, yeah, so I was like, oh, I'll never be part of this fandom and that's OK. So now to be part of a new fandom, which I think is more inclusive, I really hope it is. It and I think is. it is it, now. It is. The, the division is between those who are angry about there being a female doctor and those who are just glad that Doctor Who still exists. And yeah. that seems to be the, the one big, strong division. And aside from that, you're allowed to love and like everything or hate everything. But yes. Just as long as you hold, yeah. hold your own opinion, that's fine. Mm. So, gosh, we, we're covering a lot of ground here, aren't we? <laughs> aren't we just yes. busy, busy bees? So what I would like to say to you is, if you were about to, I don't know, be in a battle or be in a, a pretty hairy situation where you weren't quite sure whether you'd survive, would you hide in a grassy cage or not? <laughs> I was just about to talk about the grassy cage. But the thing about the grassy cage is I just think that's so fantastic. I love it because it's obviously the kinder's version of the TSS machine. Um, yes. So, which yes, is just it's fantastic. Kind of bringing parity to the situation. Yes. yes, which I thought, oh, this, I love this. This drips with glory. It's just fantastic. But my favourite thing is that when it, it it sets on fire and Adrian Mills, Aris, looks down at where the fire is. He keeps looking down at the fire because he's worried that the fire is really going to catch hold. So if you look back at that scene, he keeps looking down at the fire, looking up, looking down at the fire because he's terrified oh, he's actually going to burn alive in the studio. Like in reality. Right? Yes. <laughs> oh, funny. It's a fantastic thing to see. Once you've seen it, you can't unsee it. But um, yeah, um, Adrian Mills, can we talk about him for a minute? Let's let's so, do that. So two facts. Fact number one: He asked Sarah Sutton out on the set of Kinder, and they went out for drinkies. <gasps> rude! <laughs> I love how you say any sort of assignation like that. You always call it out as rude. No, that's Rob. not allowed. No sex, please. It's Doctor Who. That's <laughs> no sex, please. It's Doctor. Who. But apparently, she passed out in the street. Um, she was what? saying that. to go. That's not. I'm thinking Adrian Mills and Rahipnol. Was that the situation? I don't know. Yeah, I know. She was, saying, he she was talking. Look about him, doesn't he? Yeah, he's talking to, <laughs> to to Peter Davison and Matthew and um, Tegan um, Janet on the sofa and saying, "Yeah, and I passed out and I had had no alcohol." And I'm thinking, "Yeah, you'd had Rahipnol, mate, from Adrian Mills." He was. Like, <laughs> I was like. <laughs> Um, allegedly, oh, no. we should probably say allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> oh, oh my god, scary. Well, you know so I don't know up. why I passed out, and I'm thinking, mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> don't you? Don't you, Saz? Saz, <laughs> we've missed out on something essential here. Wait, this can we? Is... Can we? I'm not finished talking about Adrian Mills yet. Can you? Hold oh, is there more of the Rhythmal story? <laughs> Don't call it the Rhythmal story. I feel bad about this now. Maybe she just had a heavy cold and she didn't know it yet. Anyway, um, yeah, Adrian Mills became one of the main presenters on That's Life. I know so, that, sweetie. Best so the, and sweetie, yes. Yeah, so I remember when they showed him on That's Life, they showed him back, they 
played a clip of him running around with Did hair and, and his nipples on um, That's Life to just take the piss out of him. They used to do that regularly to say, ah, oh, look, but here you are, Adrian, remember this? Um, was yeah. that really his one and only acting job then? And then he was lucky enough to become yeah. a presenter. And honestly, yes. And on the DVD extras, he's awful. He's kind of like, oh, yeah, I was amazing. Well, he's not like that, but he's saying everyone else isn't really knowing their stuff. And he gets really quite aggressive about how oh, I understood the studio and all this stuff. And it's like, yeah, calm down, mate. He oh doesn't God. come over as likeable at all. No. Oh. Well, he doesn't like he's not someone that I'd warm to anyway. So that's good to know. Yeah. Um. Sorry, you were going to say wow. something. Yeah, I just feel conscious that we haven't um, we haven't talked about Janet Janet Fielding, the the much the much missed cat of my life. Um, yeah. I, I've been stroking Leela while talking about this, but she was amazing in this. She really when when she became evil, she was really good. Like Wasn't there she? was yeah. there was a real difference between like kind of slightly annoyed uncomfortable Janet and I want to fucking kill you all Janet like there was she really did a strong job and like when she was so kind of wistful and like ah oh, I'm going to fucking care of the world I can kill you all if I need to it was really she was really good she was perhaps I can help you free your brother from the dome would you like that I thought you might with my help you could launch an attack Destroy the people who've held your brother prisoner. Yes, you're right. The people in the dome are evil. With my help, Paris, you could become all-powerful. I am a Maura. Do not resist. I am your strength. <laughs> Janet Fielding herself was kind of very modest because she is about her acting. She doesn't think she's a great actress, which I think often she, oh, wow. she can be very good. And she just said she thinks she can see she can see the wheels turning. She can see her working when she's watching that. Um, right. But I think she's being too hard on herself. I think she's really good when she gets the chance to do something more with this stuff. Yeah. But no, I, I just, think she was really good. I just wish she'd been in it more and that she hadn't passed the, the Mara over to Aris so early. Because it would have been so yes. good if she was commanding the tribes people. That would have been really interesting. Yes. I must admit, I was confused that that bit was... That her kind of kinder involvement was over so quick. Obviously, because yeah. of the snake dance. Then you just kind of... I kind of assumed that it would be a big part of the story. But really, she was just a means to an end in this. She wasn't yeah. really a central character at all. No. Um, and that's probably one of the reasons why we haven't talked about her yet. She's not in it an awful lot. And that was no. a... That was a big surprise to me, because you think of it, it's the Tegan but, story, but yeah. Yes, but it was. But bloody teeth do a very good job of making you think. Oh, they're not quite right. I just, yeah. I really like that because often with those kind of like really cheap effects, like you'll they'll change their eyes or they'll do something yeah. weird to their fucking teeth or something. But there was just something really effective about the way that was. That was really cool to have blood just hanging around there that just made them think, yeah, you know, there's something not quite right with you. It just it was, that was a really nice. Yeah, it was good shorthand, wasn't it? Um, it so was. that was one of those plaque sweets, wasn't it? Those things that the dentist used to give you to show whether you had plaque on your teeth. Oh, was it? I loved yes. those. I loved those. <laughs> it was so much fun. It was 
it was like a treasure hunt. You never knew what you were going to find. It's like, oh yeah, shit, loads of plaque today. Yeah, that was really good. Yeah, the most fun. Yeah. yeah, I was probably still young enough to not feel embarrassment about the amount of pink on my teeth, but yeah. <laughs> well, we were awful, all of us. We never brushed our teeth, any of us. We were terrible because mum and dad never got us to do it. I don't think they ever brushed their teeth, which is why they got such bad teeth today. <laughs> so, yeah. Revelation. I, when I, I reached 16 and I realised I hadn't been to the dentist for 14 years. <laughs> yeah, I'm not surprised with our bloody house. Terrible. And I was like, shit, I'm gonna, it's going to start costing me money in a couple of years. Between 16 and 18, I went to the dentist every two months, just in case. <laughs> just to make up. really, really... Yeah, I just thought, well, I'm going to get it all done now. That's how it works. You can't, if you make up quickly, you're fine. You're fine. You're not no, no. fine. <laughs> make your children brush their teeth. <sighs> yes. Um, oh, one thing I thought of. When Hindle and Sanders were making their city, the capital city of S14, and they were both completely mad, and they'd, they'd set all the explosive to go and all that sort of stuff, and the zone of maximum impact or whatever it was or the area of total destruction i can't remember what it was called anyway um i just thought oh it's johnson and trump two mad people in charge of the bombs honestly that's i just couldn't get over that in my head of johnson and trump just stood there bumbling around being fucking insane yes and they run the planet boy twats without and any they understanding run the planet. consequence and they run the yeah. planet and it's just ah <sighs> Oh, I think you'll find it was TAD, Total Area of Destruction. Oh, thank you. Thanks. Why have I written ZMI down? I've written ZMI as well down, but I don't know what that means. Don't know. Zero monkey insurance. That's it. it Gosh. Yeah. I loved some of um, his lines, though. Hindle's lines, some of them. I loved it when he was descending, like, we'll be safe forever and ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's just so amazing. Those lines. So okay, give me more of what the hell. And I, 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 I was I was beaten every day. It didn't do me any harm. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh my god. <laughs> it was all there. Yeah, why he was ready to descend? Oh god. Sorry. What? What so, were you? Wait, can't, can't, bleh, tell me. Everything to do with his madness. What yeah. the hell was going on, and why? So he was already obviously severely depressed and severely sort of like due to his childhood, and we learnt from that and from other things. He was at the edge. And he'd arrived on this planet, obviously terrified by the jungle and the fact that they had to set up this base quickly and, you know, all of that stuff and being worried about the outside. And then it was just a moment, I think, where it suddenly it's just and they weren't following the rules. He was one of these people who was so I call them blue people, people who really follow the rule book, very procedural. And I think yeah. he, he was really one of these sort of process driven people. And then as things were starting to fall apart, let's not forget the three members of the crew, half of them have disappeared and not come back. That's the only Why question. Why have what... they disappeared? Exactly. That's the only thing that I think that really should have been solved because we don't know where Roberts wow. went and the other two. It's never explained. And, yeah. and I think that's really interesting. But Why have I never asked that question as well? I know. Okay, exactly. Awesome. But um, I think he's just reached this point, which is when we first meet him, that he's kind of like, I can't cope with this anymore. I think he's he's really losing the plot. And he sees that the, the, the box of... He just sort of like no. He doesn't see the box of Jana, does he? He is already just goes mad already without the box of Jana. Yeah, the madness. Yeah, yeah, the madness moment for him just seems really like I, I hadn't worked out where it came from. It was just he yeah. kind of gets left alone with some savage 
I think he just suddenly switches, doesn't it? But I thought it was so powerful that scene where he he works out the mirror and he has them sit at his hand at his sides, like um, Neela decides, like he's on a throne. And I just think, oh my god, this is scary stuff, and really well done. But yeah, I think he just—it's a sudden spiral, and it just suddenly tips over, and he's somewhere else, you know, in his mind. Um, Yeah, Um, I believe it, but yeah. Do you have other questions around mean? it? I just believe the performance and I believe Hindle's Descent into oh, Madness. Okay. I just could see the steps, you know. Do you think they'll be happy? I- I've done my best for them, haven't I? Well, of course you have, son. He has, hasn't he? I have, haven't I? My very best ever. Where did that fit within the realms of the Mara becoming a reality. That was just a completely separate plot line. Yeah, and that was just through through the fact that Tegan slept under the, the wind chimes. So yeah. the Mara and the Madness didn't kind of coincide. They were just two separate things. No, well, the Madness in terms of the Box of Jhana. Jhana, by the way, means meditation. So um, mm. the Box of Meditation. But I think um, it, was a, it was a kinder healing device, wasn't it? For people who were troubled, they could look in the box and they would he- it would heal them. But for ah. people... But for because men weren't as intelligent in the kinder that the women could only cope with that, maybe. So she was trying to get it to Neris, to Neza. Panna wanted it. Panna was trying to get it to Todd so she could understand. She could see the message when she opened the box. So men are too stupid to get truth. I get it. I'm so on board with this. uh, Yeah. And it broke his mind, Sander's mind. Yeah. Um, but it was it was so that Todd would see it, because so he because Panna's not at all interested in the Doctor, and she's like, "Well, who are you?" It's like I want this woman here because a woman needs to understand what's going on and what the threat is here. Um, right. And summoning her to the cave, which they do when the the box is opened. So it's all about Todd, which I love. It's the fact that we've got to get Neza over here. We need her to understand. But um, yes. Right. Yeah, okay. makes sense. Yes, yeah. more helpful. Um. Okay, so it's. Is it kind of that because they were so repressed that they kind of. They couldn't cope with shit? Like it brought out all their madness because they were. Because men are so repressed? Or that's just me taking it a step too far? No, I think there's an element of repression there, isn't there? In all men. I mean, it's one of the things about suicide rates and stuff like that. And are we allowed to be who we're yeah. meant to be and all that stuff? Um, yeah. But I think with someone as unreconstructed as Sanders trying to get through the through this sort of like this sort of stupid colonel sort of character, it's like there wasn't much there before he would go brittle and unable to cope with it. I mean he's just trying yeah. to keep fit and keep going, isn't he? And he's also on the brink oh, of Oh, I do love that when he's jogging. Yeah. I really enjoyed the jogging. It yeah. was just so perfectly of a time. Like people don't do insane jogging anymore. Like that. <laughs> insane like, <jogging>. Just <laughs> It was a 70s thing to jog like that. Yeah. It was, <laughs> well, Keep Fit was new. Let's not forget that Keep Fit was new. I mean, in the 70s, most people looked horrendous. There wasn't anyone with toned bodies at all. I mean, look at Top of the Pops. Everyone just looked slovenly and they've got big beer guts and they were still pop stars. But suddenly oh, it was Keep we Fit. lived in that time. <laughs> and there's the green goddess. I slender then. <sighs> but, um, Yeah. I love, can I say something I loved, which is the dome, which the idea was with the set design by Malcolm Thornton, that every piece of the dome would have a number on it. 
because the idea was they made planet fall and then they had to people who made planet fall had to then put it together with screws and bolts and say well panel mm. 219 has to add to 21 and all this sort of stuff so that's ah. why there's numbers all over the different bits because Just because they had to... flat pack. yeah it's a flat pack oh, that's so cool isn't it cool i, like I it love i know something that much it's fantastic oh, isn't it i love gosh. that yes mm. very good malcolm thornton i love the coziness of the dome and the fact you've got the jungle outside of it, I think I really like that sort of bolt hole feel. I get the same feel from that little cabin in in um, Nightmare of Eden on Eden, <laughs> on Eden, and yes. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay, I understand what you mean. Yeah. Good. Um. Okay. Would have been terrible. What went wrong with the overprivileged middle-aged white men? I think that was me just trying to work out what was going on with. Yeah. With, like, I, I, there's definitely like a, there was like a just why thing. Like it, you're just saying like it was madness. Hmm. They were mad, and then they weren't mad, and then that was fine. But there was a, there was an odd, weird kind of redress of the balance kind of thing at the end where yeah. they were like oh we're all okay now and like we don't have to get you in trouble really and it's all going to be fine and i just i don't know I, i'm always one for retribution <laughs> make him pay <laughs> yeah. but i suppose the thing is that they didn't actually i don't think did anyone die other than panna i don't think anyone no died. he probably didn't actually cause as much damage as he had the potential to yeah, and even Panna didn't die because she kind of became Karuna in the natural way of things. Yes. But I am confused about that. And when the next one, like, because surely they just keep passing on that knowledge to the next and the next. Like, yeah. when do, do they just, like, add identities each time and there's a new one? or do, Well, I, I guess that's 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 Buddhist reincarnation, isn't it? So it's just part oh, of the... Okay. Yeah, it's just saying, you know, that it passes on. But that was a very deliberate passing on in a more uh, this is the wise woman of the tribe sort of a way which is yeah yeah hmm. but i think it just relates to how a lot of this story is about identity and mental health hmm. and and whether you're in possession of your faculties um i guess um, which all relates That's to buddhism nice buddhism's buddhism's yeah. very um, looking at yourself and your mind and about having a healthy mind and making sure that you don't have too strong a connection with the world so that you actually um, you're healthy in and of yourself and you're not relying on the world and possessions and other stuff and that thing about responsibility yeah. again I mean the closest link to it in Doctor Who terms is Planet of the Spiders um, which is all oh, yeah. Buddhisty and Samsara the cycle of life and I love it when Mary Morris does her thing about wheel turns, civilization arise, wheel turns, civilization falls. Oh, I love all that stuff. Great. Oh, I find that really annoying. It sounds like poetry and it winds me up. Oh, you just can't cope with poetry at all, can I you? I can't. Anyone, and things start, sounds trite and I'm like, I'm stop listening. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, wow. It's a struggle. I know. Right. Can we talk about the episode endings? Because these are two of my favourite episode endings of all time. Let's so, talk about the episode endings. The opening of the box. Oh, I just love that. And the fact that we always talk about Bonnie Langford's scream in Terror of the Vervoids, which is ch chimes in with the end of the um, episode, the credit, credits coming in and, and the, the sound of that. But they do it here first with Neza when she, she yes. shouts and it goes into the episode ending. Oh, I thought that was fantastic. I loved it. Really scary. 
I can imagine uh, that really getting me if I'd remembered it at the time, yeah. Yeah, totally. Don't they could kill us! Unfortunately, so could him. And then episode three, I just love the glorious, one of my favourite episode endings um, is the glorious, you know, the all the clocks on the on the stands and and all the, the kinder tribes people and the tricks are dying and all that and Panna turning into yes. big ceremonial robes. Oh, so gorgeous. So well done. And so avant-garde. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, there was something quite bizarre and different and interesting about that that doesn't seem like standard Doctor Who kind of ways of doing things yeah no, it was it was good the director Peter Grimway really went out there for something and I can imagine saying what we can do what we're going to have alarm clocks on plinths and and yeah. what's happening and why are we doing this and why is she suddenly in a robe but it just for me it just all works yeah and I love it when Neza says can't we do anything <laughs> I just like that in my head <laughs> just so much I think I might just start saying that in everyday life in difficult situations. <laughs> Can't we do anything? I feel confident that you will. <laughs> I will. <Yeah. laughs> but, um, and then going back to the cave and finding out that she's dead. Oh, I love all that. So good. And now we must get back to the dome. Stop the attack. We find our way through the forest. Well, the old woman must direct us. Doctor! What? I think she's dead! you is a lot of this about kind of remembering how you felt or just kind of is there a moment of you like oh i get this this is my thing like this is my jam like is that i don't think I mean, it wasn't at the time because at the time i was really mm. frustrated by it and annoyed by it and didn't understand it but i think maybe by the second time so i watched it, it i took i think the second time i watched it in 83 i was starting to get more understanding of it but i think thereafter I saw it um, probably again. It wasn't till like 1990 or something, I think. So when one of the people in this Devon Seaside Devils had a copy, he was called Craig, and he had a copy of Kinder on this video, and I couldn't believe he could. How was this possible? Because it's not out on video yes. yet. And it was a pristine copy. I remember it was like an amazing copy of it, just so bright. Wow. And they showed one or two episodes at um, a group meeting once. And I was like, this is fucking amazing. This is this is one of the best Doctor Who stories. Because I think I'd kind of thought, oh, well, it's Peter Davison's story. It's okay. You know, it's not Tom, it's not Tom Baker. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. that's how it was in my head. But like, and it was just, oh, this is awesome. I love it. And then to have it on video, I think I probably watched the video quite a lot and thought this is stunning. And I think, as I've said, it's, it's the best Davison in my opinion. Yes. Yeah, no, I, I, the, the, it's, a, it's a strong performance for him, and it's it's a good. It's probably Adric in his best light. Tegan probably could have been utilised better, and I think this has probably had more interesting things to do as well. Probably, yes, that's to do with contrast. But I, you don't you don't notice the lack of her too much. I must admit. No, I'm not struggling without her. No, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's the best Adric story. I think the best Adric story is Keeper of Traken, where he has that brilliant double double act with Tom and then with Nyssa. But um... yeah, that's true. He does really do nicely in that. But yeah, it just he he plays a different role with Peter Davison though. Like he does really. Yeah. Um, he doesn't. He's not quite so much the teacher and the taught. He is a bit more 
I don't know, he, he's able to, to teach a little bit and, and because Peter Davison can take a back step sometimes and be a little bit more cutesy, then Adric can kind of fall into his I know everything kind of thing and it kind of makes it, with the Doctor, it's it's nicer to hear that. Like, I don't mind Adric being confident in the face of other people's skills. I, I mind it when he does it to Tegan and Nyssa because it's just so condescending. Yeah. when he does it almost as a defence to the Doctor, I can cope with it. Yeah. Indeed. Yes. What did you think about the fact that the Kinder Tribes people had wonderfully silky hair and they were just too well quaffed, I thought. I thought it was just, like, ridiculous. Um, but, uh... Well, it was paradise, sweetie. I suppose. I mean, we were not in the time of the Bernie shit. It's... it's um, I, I didn't... Yeah, no, I... Obviously, like, the... Caucasian tribe of privilege probably isn't like a place where they don't have combs. Like I, I it, <laughs> it, they were quite the, well to do for um. Uh, they they weren't supposed to be like an ill-fed tribe of incapable people. They were supposed to be people who were really all right on their own. Thing. I guess because that would have sent the wrong way. message, wouldn't it? About the fact yeah. that they were ha- they were happy and they were centered. Until yeah, this, these have. outside influences came in, like the colonists and also the Doctor and Co. And in fact, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they weren't unkempt. That's not who they were or what they needed to represent. Well, you've convinced so, yeah. me about that. Right now... Well, that's because I'm such a thinker. Can we talk about the snake? We haven't talked about the elephant in the room. Or we the haven't snake talked about the snake. Well, first of all, I still remember the frisson of joy of watching the snake go from one arm to the other. Even yeah. though it was a really bad effect, yeah. just seeing that was exciting. A tattoo that moves is a really kind of, it's a primal feeling thing. You're like, fuck, you know, like it gets you straight away. I really enjoyed that. I was thinking it wouldn't it be a good um, tattoo to have as a Doctor Who fan. You'd freak people out. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I am looking at my next tattoo, but I don't think it's going to be a snake. I must admit. On your, on your yeah. forearm. That would be amazing, yeah. wouldn't it? You just put your hand out and saying, oh... <laughs> Flex your hand towards someone. They'd shit. A Doctor Who fan would shit their pants. <laughs> <laughs> Especially if you had glossy hair, they'd be stuffed. Is that Alex talking? No, it's the Mara within him, <laughs> within her. <role>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, now you want to talk about big, big plush snake. Yes, <laughs> big plush snake. Um, yeah. So I assume you watched. Struggle. I assume you watched the episode with the bad snake in it, not the not the redone special effects brilliant snake. Oh, I want to watch the oh, special effects snake. Go I on to the YouTube. Go on to YouTube. It's okay. amazing. The the replacement wow. snake is fantastic. Yeah, it's one of the times where I think, oh, that was kind of nice that they did that. But really? the big pink inflatable snake. I think it. I like the fact that it's almost like a. Um, Ooh, it's kind of more allegorical than it has to be actually real. And there's an element where I think I, I can actually cope with it because it's representative of a snake, not necessarily... You know what I mean? You could perceive well, it Well, as... ne- the snake was never supposed to be like a terrifying snake that was about to kill you. It wasn't about to bite your face off. It was more, as you say, it was, it was something from within you. And that yeah. was a terrifying thing. It wasn't a big scary thing with teeth that was going to rip your head off. Because that's what the replacement special effect snake is, and it looks amazing and terrifying. But I think that misses the point of 
of this story, which is so allegorical and so much about um, people's perceptions. I mean, the mm. alarm clocks on the plinths are what the Doctor and Neza see. Um, mm. I can only square them in my mind with that because they're not part of that that civilization of the Kinder. So it can only be what they are seeing when they have that dream yeah. sequence thing. And I think the same thing for the snake is that they're just imagining this big sort of fairground snake, this sort of pantomime-esque snake. And I can forgive yes. it within the context of this being a jungle in the studio as well. It, it feels in keeping somehow. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, I must watch the, the good one in order to, to make my decision. Because I'm always very happy with bad special effects. That, that's yeah, exactly. Never, same here. concern for me. It's, same here. It, it, as long as it's true to the plot and it conveys the feeling, then I've, I've got enough, really. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm. Hold your ground! Keep it in the circle! Close the gaps! The circle must be kept closed. If the circle is closed, the Mara cannot escape. Where does it draw its energy from? It's incredible. Oh, do you know about the um, the legend surrounding this story that because Christopher Bailey was so reluctant to be interviewed and was so secret for a long time, the writer, that um, for a long time Doctor Who fans believed that Christopher Bailey was actually um, Kate Bush and it was an acronym and that Kinder and Snake Dance were written by Kate Bush. Did you hear about that? <laughs> No. Yeah, yeah. For the longest time, that was and believed to be real. And then they realised that they were talking shit. Yes. Yes. Oh. So is Christopher Bailey an anagram of Kate Bush? It feels like an alarming lack of letters in one of them. No, I know. Even it's a K, not a C. It was just—it was just one of those things that someone started, and it, everyone started to talk about it, and felt like it was real. Yes. Gosh. Gosh. God. So. Right, I think that I have reached my conclusion. Good. Can we have your conclusion then? I'd love to give it to you. Um, it was one of the strongest Peter Davison performances that I've seen. It um, it used Doctor's companions in a way that worked for each of them. The plot was interesting and gave you enough to think about and I'm now going to have to go out of this and start thinking about it some more because the whole Buddhist thing had completely passed me by um, The it, it's brilliantly British love the kind of the the nods to colonialism and and putting that in a shitty light um, it's, it's proper Doctor Who it does make me get excited and think but I need to watch Snake Dance now it, yeah, just, it exactly. gives you that excitement about it that it's 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 part of a couple of episodes that a couple of stories that are really essential viewing and there's something more that's happening in them than some of the basic doctor who's of that time so yeah mm. it's a goodie i liked it wasn't expecting it to like it as much as i have done good so i just think there's some powerhouse performances i think all the three colonists are fantastic um neza Symes <laughs> and Rich, they're all amazing, all really good. Yeah. And I, I think I really enjoyed Mary Morris and Sarah Prince Truner as well. And I think I think all of the uh, Adrian Mills, I think, isn't so great. And I regret the fact. No, it's that... probably the least strong. And it I kind think, of it, it, yeah. it's a throwback to Arak, I think, from Planet of Spiders. Oh God, they could yeah. have been one and the same. Yeah, but um, I think there's so much in there that 
just drips with um, content and thought and there's something really excellent in there. I like the fact that it's not all tied up with bows and there's mm. there's elements where you really have to think and once you hear more about it you learn what it's about i think it's a shame that you kind of almost have to have a text on it though and yeah because so i have that <laughs> yes so like so i i think I, I i love it more because I, if i'd never had that i would be like oh that's a bit strange one i don't really quite get what's going on although it makes more sense to me now than it did years ago and i think that's just natural yeah. but i do think also the stuff that would pass you by um yeah yeah so I I just really really love it and and what was interesting to me though was I asked John did he like it he said, oh yeah I really like that one and were you confused by it okay. no I said did you not understand anything no he said I understood it all I'm like did you <laughs> okay <laughs> so I don't know it's, could you now tell me <laughs> yeah exactly but um yeah it was it was funny how um yeah I mean the thing he enjoyed the most was Panna laughing at um, the doctor calling him a fool she, he thought that was brilliant and every time she did that he was just like ha this is hilarious I love it um, <laughs> so that was interesting yes cute yes good so, so well done good choice liked yeah. it Hall of Fame Hall of Fame Hall of oh, Fame God. Hall of Fame Hall of Fame oh by the way the poll the poll is currently live at the moment um, for um, from our very long ago episode um, of Sylvan, Sylvan Nemesis, as I'm now calling it. Um, Good. And I think out in front we have Amelia, Amelia Rumford, followed by Alpha, yes. followed by Lady Painfort, followed by Ganatus. So maybe I should have put more gain in there. <laughs> <laughs> he got no, some votes though. Definitely on the Ganesh's one. He got. I don't even mean so pig, pig headed. But, <laughs> but did you? I see, we haven't. Told. We haven't talked about the results from the Destiny of the Daleks one, which had was won by Booby Romana. <laughs> sorry, people. They can't be Dirty. trusted. They can't be I trusted. think we should have more sex-related names in all of our polls. I think we're going to get much more involvement in future if that's the way we go. Okay, so let's go for bare-chested Aris just to see if that gets anyone exciting. <laughs> excited. Um, oh. Certainly did it for Sarah Sutton back in the day. Well, until she yes. passed out. Until she passed <laughs> out. That's so worrying. Isn't I it? know. Nez's grey stroke blue tights. New. Um... <laughs> no, let's do a proper Hall of Fame. Don't be silly. She always makes everything Rude. so silly. Well, Neza and Panna both have rights in being there. Yes, definitely. Um, and they're the and Hindle, Hindle and Hindle. Sanders, surely. And Sanders, yeah. We, let's not put Aris in there because he's annoying. No. And we'll not put Karina yes. in because she wasn't as strong an actress as the others. So. No, she she did her job, but she certainly she wasn't compelling. No. Good. Done. Agreed. Winners, we haven't even said them. we haven't even said you can't mend people. We haven't even alluded to you can't mend people. Gosh. You can't mend people. Yes. Hindle's mean? line. He screams, you can't mend people. Oh, I don't remember that. Gosh, that's the most famous line from Kinder. <laughs> oh, is it? Yes. But I think with a box of jhana in your hand, you can mend people because it sends them back to yes. their original state. So you just need a box of jhana. Right. Yes. Good. So, good. 
Hooray. So I'm excited to work out what we're doing next. I feel like we should decide that in private because we never follow through on the things that we say on podcasts. But I'm excited. So. Good. Until right. the next time, I have been Andy. I'm always Alex. Good work. That was my headphones falling out onto the microphone. <laughs> It's a reassuring noise. Almost as reassuring as the clunk of your wine glass. <laughs> well, without that, we wouldn't think I was conscious. It's, it's an essential. Right. Good. Bye. Bye. Careful. I'm so sorry. It's easily mended. A drop of glue. Don't be silly. You can't mend people, can you? You can't mend people. those headphones absolutely my ears are virtually bleeding now so painful oh you there did you get rid of me you bastard i pressed the stop on the phone rather than on the thing (laughs) dumbelinsk totally done Uh, yes good yes oh i need to pee that was quite long that was two hours next episode of World Enough and Time, we join the Doctor and Romana in eSpace as we review the story State of Decay. Yeah.